You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. A magnifying glass brings small things into focus. And we began a sermon series last week titled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And what this, this series is about is putting a magnifying glass on the little town of Bethlehem to bring it into greater focus so that we will more fully appreciate the one who was born there. And keeping that in mind, I want to ask you this morning, turn, turn with me to a maybe a surprising passage of Scripture I want to ask you to turn with me to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4. As we look at this next message about Bethlehem. Old Testament book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse 13. Ruth chapter 4 verse 13. When you found your place, I want to ask you... This morning, if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may His name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us today. As we study your word, would you, by your spirit, open the eyes of our hearts, that we would see the truths of Scripture, and have the inclination, the wherewithal, the desire to respond to the truths of Scripture. Lord, I pray that in this message today, Jesus Christ would be exalted in Jesus Christ alone. Transform us for the glory of your great name. We'll ask and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. As we celebrate Christmas, the season of Advent, looking forward to the day when we celebrate the birth of our Savior, we think about that that wonderful story when Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary in the 
small, insignificant town of Bethlehem and laid in a manger. And you might ask the question, what in the world does an Old Testament book named Ruth have to do with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because this morning I want to show you how the book of Ruth helps us to put a magnifying glass on the town of Bethlehem so that it comes into clearer focus. So to see what I mean, I want you to look there in your notes. The first truth I want to share with you today is this. A kinsman redeemer came from Bethlehem. A kinsman redeemer came from Bethlehem. Notice what it says there in verse 14. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Without a redeemer. Now, what, what is being referred to here? Uh, who, who are these people that are in this story? Well, I want to give you some, just some really quick background on the, the brief book of Ruth. It's, it's four chapters, and it's named after one of its main characters, and it is a precious story found in the Old Testament. So let me give you just, a, just kind of a, a, a brief background so you don't have to read it all to, to catch up this morning. But, but here's the context. There's a man named Elimelech, and his wife Naomi and their two sons left the town where they lived named Bethlehem. And the reason they left Bethlehem is because there was a famine in the land. So they went to Moab to try to make a living, to subsist as a family. And while they were in Moab, tragedy struck. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and left her as a widow. And then Naomi's two sons, after marrying two Moabite women, died. So you have Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, and they are all grieving widows. Eventually, Naomi, whose heart is broken, decides to go back to Bethlehem. One of the daughters-in-law says, I'm going to stay in Moab. The other daughter-in-law, named Ruth, accompany Naomi back to her hometown of Bethlehem. And when they arrived in this small village of Bethlehem, they set their minds to the grim task of trying to subsist as widows. It was difficult in that day for widows to live with safety and security and provision. But in the providence of God, Ruth goes out one day to try to glean from a field to to bring back some grain for her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And while she finds a field to glean in, she meets the man who owns the field, and his name was Boaz. We find out in the unfolding story that Boaz was a, a distant relative of Naomi. So when Ruth comes back, she comes back with grain... She says, I met the man whose field I gleaned in today. His name is Boaz. Naomi rejoices. She sees God's hand in this because Boaz was related to her. Now, why is that a big deal? Why is it a big deal that that Ruth gleaned in the field of a relative of Naomi? Well, Naomi instantly understood, based upon Old Testament passages, Old Testament scriptures, the word of God, that Boaz was a potential redeemer 
for her daughter-in-law and for her. In Ruth chapter 2, we see the idea of a redeemer come to fruition. And this idea of a redeemer refers back to two Old Testament laws that were combined. Deuteronomy 25, 5-10 is the Old Testament law relating to Leverite marriage. I'll talk about that in a moment. And Leviticus 25, 23, and 34 talk about a, the, a, a goel, a redeemer. So how does the Leverite marriage passage and the redeemer passage uh, come together? You could sum up those two passages by talking about the law of the kinsman redeemer. Now what in the world is that referring? Well, who, who was a kinsman redeemer in this day and time. Well, a kinsman redeemer had some significant responsibilities to his family. First of all, a kinsman redeemer was called to protect family-owned land. If a family member lost their land for whatever reason, they went bankrupt or or could not pay their bill, whatever happened, and and they lost their land, a relative had the responsibility of of going as a redeemer and buying back the land. That's what the word redemption means, to buy back. To buy back the land and keep it in the family. So if you had someone capable of of purchasing the land, that person would come along and keep that land in the family. So to protect family-owned land was the first responsibility of a kinsman redeemer. Also, kinsman redeemers were called to protect family members. You find that in Leviticus 25, 47 through 49. If a family member became poor and had to sell themselves into slavery, which commonly happened back in this day, the Goel, the Redeemer, was to buy that person back from slavery, to purchase their freedom. Also, uh, Goel, a Redeemer, was called to avenge a family member's murder. But, But what's mostly at play here in the book of Ruth is this. The Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer, had the responsibility to continue the family line. Deuteronomy 25 talks about Leverite marriage, and the word Leverite comes from the Latin for brother-in-law. And here's what that entailed. If a woman lost her husband, and she was childless and a widow, if there was someone among the relatives of her deceased husband, a, a kinsman, who had the ability to redeem, that that man would marry her. And when they had children, it was in a sense continuing the line of the deceased husband. It was a way to honor her deceased husband. So when Naomi hears from Ruth, I gleaned in the field of a distant relative named Boaz. Naomi thinks, wait a minute. This could be the kinsman redeemer that comes and marries my daughter-in-law and they could have children together and the lineage of my deceased son could be carried on. His name could be honored and we could be taken care of as two widows in this village of Bethlehem. Now in Leviticus 25, uh, or Deuteronomy 25, the, 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 the kinsman redeemer was said to be a brother, but by the time of the judges, which, which is when the book of Ruth uh, transpired, this idea of a, a kinsman redeemer extended to the, the nearest of kin down the family line. Warren Wiersbe writes about these laws of the kinsman redeemer. Here, listen to what he says. 
The purpose of these laws was to preserve the name and protect the property of families in Israel. God owned the land and didn't want it exploited by rich people who would take advantage of poor people and widows. When obeyed, these laws made sure that a dead man's family name did not die with him. And that his property was not sold outside the tribe or clan. So God puts this, this, uh, this stipulation of the kinsman redeemer into law to take care of widows and to take care of family land. When Naomi hears a distant relative named Boaz met his daughter-in-law, she begins to think he could be the kinsman Redeemer. Now, there are some requirements. Not anybody could be a kinsman redeemer. They had some responsibilities, but they also had some requirements. Let me show you the, the requirements very quickly. First of all, it had to be a blood relative. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, make that clear. It had to be someone who was kin, a kinsman redeemer. That's why in Ruth 2, 3 and verse 20 and chapter 3, verse 9, the fact that Boaz is related to Naomi comes into play. It must be a blood relative to be a kinsman redeemer. And then secondly, this, this man had to be able to redeem. Ruth 3.13, Ruth 4, 4 through 10. This person had to have the means to take care of a family. And so they had to have the, the, the wherewithal, the resources, the finances to be able to provide for a family. So they had to be a, a blood relative and they had to be able to carry out the responsibilities of a kinsman redeemer. But here's the third thing, and this is big. The kinsman redeemer must be willing to redeem. They had to want to do it. And, and that's when a part of the story is highlighted in chapter 4 that, that points out this reality. In chapter 4, there's a meeting in the town. And Boaz brings up that there's this widow named Ruth. And she needs a kinsman redeemer. Now here's what Boaz knew. There was someone who was a relative closer to Naomi than he was, a closer blood relative. So for him to be able to marry Ruth, who he'd fallen in love with, by the way, the book of Ruth is a tender love story. Boaz fell in love with Ruth. He wanted to be her kinsman redeemer. He wanted to marry her, but he had to check with the closer relative first. So he says, there's this woman named Ruth. She's the daughter-in-law of Naomi. She's eligible for a kinsman redeemer to marry her and to provide for her. And the closer relative says, okay, I'll do it. If you've been following along the story, your heart sinks because you want Boaz to marry Ruth. He loves her. And the other redeemer says, I'll do it. And you're like, oh, no. And in that man's mind, he's saying, he's saying I'll keep the land in the family. And Boaz says, well, wait a minute. There's one other thing. You've got you to marry her, too. It's not just land. It's, it's, you also got to marry her. And the guy said, I'm out. Not looking to get married right now. And Boaz is like, this isn't the Bible, Boaz is like, yes. <laughs> and Boaz says, I'll be her kinsman redeemer. I want to be her kinsman redeemer. I'm, I'm, I'm able, I have the resources, and I love her. I want to marry her. I want to be her kinsman redeemer. And that's what happens in the book of Ruth. They get married, they have a child, Naomi has a grandchild. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, tender story. If you look there in your notes to kind of sum all this up, and I know I gave you a lot of background, but you need to get this background. Boaz, driven by his love for Ruth joyfully, 
took on the role of kinsman redeemer. He married her. They had children. They kept the, the family land intact. It's a beautiful, precious story of love. And you might say, what in the world does that have to do with Jesus? And I'm glad you asked. In Ruth, a kinsman redeemer, Boaz, comes from Bethlehem. And did you know that Boaz is a type or a picture, a foreshadowing of Jesus? Because our kinsman redeemer came from Bethlehem. The redeeming work of Boaz foreshadows the redeeming work of Christ. And just like Boaz came from Bethlehem, our Savior, whose name is Jesus, came from Bethlehem. You see, Jesus is the one who redeems us from our sin. But remember, to be a redeemer, there's got to be some requirements that are met. And just like Boaz was a blood relative, Jesus is our blood relative. Over in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels. He took on humanity to identify with us so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jesus identifies with our humanity in that the second person of the Trinity took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary so he could live on this earth as the God-man and go to the cross and die for you and for me. So because he took on human flesh, he is our blood relative. He's re- he's, he's, he has the requirement met to be our kinsman redeemer. Also, if you remember the requirements, you must be able to redeem. And Jesus Christ is able to save. In fact, over in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, when it speaks of the the high priestly work of Christ, the, the nature of Jesus, fully God, fully man, the finished work of Christ who went to the cross and died for us and, and rose from the grave, it says that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. And that's good news. We have a Savior who's done everything necessary to forgive you of your sins and bring you from from death into life. Just like Boaz was able to be the Redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, Jesus is able to be a Savior for anyone that will say, Oh, I need forgiveness. Oh, I need to be born again. Oh, I need to be redeemed. Jesus is able. Amen? But remember the third requirement? For Boaz to be the redeemer for Ruth, he had to be willing. And aren't you glad that not only is Jesus Christ able to save, aren't you glad that he is willing to save? Hebrews 12 2 says that he endured the cross looking forward to what was coming. The the joy of seeing men and women, boys and girls saved, redeemed, and reconciled to God. Over in John chapter 10 verses 11 through 18, Jesus says, 
I lay down my life of my own initiative. I'm giving my life. I'm, I'm dying on the cross. Why? Because Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me. The reason that, that, that Boaz wanted to be a redeemer for Ruth is because he loved her. The reason Jesus wants to be our Redeemer is because He loves us. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. So just like Boaz, driven by His love, joyfully became the kinsman Redeemer for Ruth, Jesus Christ, driven by His love for us, joyfully became our kinsman Redeemer. And here's what that means for everyone in this room. It means that anyone that places their faith in Christ alone will experience this wonderful redemption from sin. Jesus will apply His shed blood to your spiritual account and your sins will be washed away. You'll be brought into a personal relationship with the living God of the universe. You will be redeemed, bought back from sin. It's available because Jesus is... A kinsman redeemer that has met all of the requirements. And I love what's said about Naomi and Ruth in uh, Ruth chapter 4. The people are rejoicing. And they're, they're praising God because God had not left them without a redeemer. And this morning we are gathered here and we're talking about a little town called Bethlehem. And what we're doing is we're rejoicing that God has not left us without a redeemer. We have a Redeemer. His name is Jesus. And so, just like Boaz, the kinsman Redeemer, came from Bethlehem. Our kinsman Redeemer, Jesus Christ, came from Bethlehem. But number two, very quickly. Not only did a Redeemer come from Bethlehem, a king came from Bethlehem. If you look back in Ruth chapter 4, this exciting, moving compelling love story ends in a curious way. It ends with a genealogy. You might think, well, that's kind of a boring way to end, uh, you know, end uh, a love story. I mean, this, there's all this drama between you know, Boaz and Ruth. They fall in love and the, the drama about whether he can be her redeemer. And it's, and it's beautiful how it all comes together. And you end with a genealogy. What's the point? Why is there a genealogy at the end of this book? Well, the genealogy concerns a royal lineage. Look what it says there in chapter 4, verse 18. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered uh, Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. The genealogy is included here to help us to understand there's something much bigger going on in this story than Boaz and Ruth falling in love. It's a great story, but there's something bigger going on here. God is providentially working to bring Boaz and Ruth together So that in their descendants, God can raise up a king. And we see that the descendants lead to King David, the great king of Israel. Now notice this genealogy uh, starts with Perez, the son of Judah, in verse 
uh, 18. It mentions Perez. Perez, again, was the son of Judah. Judah was, was said to be, in the book of Genesis, to be the, 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 the tribe that uh, would produce royalty. A picture of the king coming from the tribe of Judah. It's found in Genesis 49, 8 through 10. But it ends with the great king David. But listen to me. Something happened when David was king. God made a special promise or covenant to David. And it's found in 2 Samuel 7, 16. Listen to what the Bible says. The Lord speaking to David. Your house... And your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. So here's what the Lord says to David. You're going to have more and more descendants, David. And one day through your royal line, I'm going to raise up a king whose kingdom will never end. Whose reign will never come to completion because he will forever reign. You see, through the line of King David would come a forever king. And you might ask the question, well, how was that prophecy fulfilled? Because if you know anything about the current status of Israel, they don't have a king. There's not a a, a Davidic descendant sitting on the throne as king of Israel. So how in the world is that promise to David to have a descendant forever reigning, how does it come to fulfillment? Look there in your notes. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise to David. I want you to turn very quickly to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. I want to show you this. Acts chapter 2. This is Peter's sermon On the day of Pentecost, filled with the Spirit in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, according to the Old Testament, I saw the Lord always before me. For he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will also dwell in hope. For you, not, you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Psalm 16. Speaking there of David's descendant who would reign. And then in verse 29. Brothers, I say to you with confidence that about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. 2 Samuel chapter 7. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. So here's what uh, Peter's saying. David spoke of a forever king. 
who would die and then defeat death itself and reign forever. And thus that promise that God made to David in 2 Samuel 7 would come to fulfillment. And so David came from the lineage of Boaz from Bethlehem. And David was born of Jesse in Bethlehem. Guess where David's descendant, the forever king, is from? Where? Bethlehem. Our king came from Bethlehem. What does that mean for you and for me? It means that Jesus reigns and he'll always reign. He'll forever reign. And he deserves our allegiance. He deserves our awe. He deserves our adoration. He deserves the majesty and the glory. He is worthy. He is the king. I want you to notice that Bethlehem is this important connection between Jesus and David and Boaz. Boaz foreshadowed Jesus as the kinsman redeemer. David foreshadowed Jesus as the forever king. And they all came from Bethlehem. So here's the takeaway. The town of Bethlehem magnifies Jesus' role as our Redeemer and King. When we see Jesus foreshadowed in this Old Testament book, it helps us to remember how glorious and great Jesus Christ is as our kinsman Redeemer and as our mighty King. Bethlehem magnifies all of that. It brings a small little town into clearer focus. It brings the person and work of Jesus into clearer focus. Focus. And so let me say it like this and we'll be done. Jesus is our Redeemer and our Ruler. He is our kinsman and our King. He's our Messiah and He's our Monarch. He's our hope and He is our Head. He's our Liberator. And He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And He is our Sovereign. The book of Ruth reminds us of these glorious realities. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.